Andrea St. Amand here. Welcome everybody to episode one of season two. We're very excited to be back. We're super excited about our guest being today. As you all know, probably by now, if you've listened before, I'm an evidential psychic medium. I'm here with Katie Valentine and Amy Renee. I'm Amy Renee, a practitioner of shamanic arts, one of your co-hosts for today. And I am Katie Valentine a Christian minister and a metaphysical practitioner. Buckle up and open your mind as we get started today. So we have with us today a profoundly large being who in her first incarnation, I don't think that's actually the right word, but she's a pagan goddess. She later became a Christian saint and then morphed over into voodoo. She's a voodoo queen. So we have a very large presence in voodoo. She is called Mama Brigitte. And I'm going to turn it over to Katie to talk about her name in pagan and Christianity. Yeah, so we commonly call this being Bridget today, and that's probably how I'll refer to her throughout the episode, just because it's for sake of ease. But in her pagan incarnation, I guess that's the right word, as a pagan goddess, she's known as Brigitte, B-R-I-G. ID. And there's not a lot of unanimity on how to say that. Sometimes it's Brie, sometimes it's Brigid, sometimes it's Brie. I'm just saying Bridget for sake of ease. And then in Christianity, it's also B-R-I-G-I-D. Same pronunciations, but it becomes Bridget in the kind of anglicized version that we have now. Amy, do you want to give us how she appears sort of in pop culture? Yeah. So she is well known through Spiritual Seekers. Iron Druid Chronicles, so it's a series, as well as American Gods, which is her voodoo form, and she shows up in Dungeons and Dragons, Celtic Shamanism, she shows up in Iron Druids Chronicles, and American Gods, which I believe is a TV series, if I'm correct, and a novel. And a novel. Yeah. It feels like there's a little Bridget revival that's happening right now. <laughs> Out in pop culture, she's making her way in a couple of different formats. That speaks to how she's just ever flowing. She's ever evolving and ever moving, which is just so fascinating. I guess to me, she's so surprising that she transformed into and was adopted by the voodoo culture because she is the only white lady in voodoo, frankly. Every other god, every other queen, every, every other deity in voodoo comes strictly from Africa. She is the only one who is an Irish, adopted Irish lady. And she, in fact, appears um, in voodoo depictions as a white lady with flaming red hair. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But Katie, do you want us to tell us a little more about her in her pagan and Christian forms? Yeah, totally. And it's interesting. She's one of the only figures we have from ancient Ireland who's venerated continuously for the past 2,000 years. First as a goddess and then as a saint in the, in the saintly form and then later on in voodoo hoodoo as well. And so we mostly know about her from Ireland. She was a Celtic goddess. She was likely worshipped other places other than Ireland, but Ireland is where we have the most kind of attestation of her being a goddess. But she's a relatively late addition to the Irish pantheon. So we don't really have evidence of her before 2000 years ago. 
So we don't know if she was kind of adopted in. She might have been brought over by some of the tribes from mainland Europe to Ireland. That part's a little bit of a mystery, and scholars are doing some work on that. This is a little bit outside my field of study, also. <laughs> I'm going to have some broad, sweeping generalizations and, and get as detailed as I can. But as a goddess, she is a triple goddess, and so kind of three forms in one being. So as you can tell, when she morphs into Christianity, this made a lot of sense to Christians who also have the Trinity. She's the daughter of the god, and I'm, I hope I'm saying this right, Dagda, and the goddess Morgan as well. And she's the goddess of learning, of poetry, of protection, of healing, and of metalworking. Metalworking is kind of fun because if you think 2,000 years ago, 1,500 years ago in ancient Irish villages, the smith would have had a lot of importance within the village. The smith can transform a hunk of metal into usable tools. So there's kind of an element of magic. And people would also take the water that the smith would use to cool the metal and use it for healing. And so that connects her being the goddess of like smithery and of metalworking with being the goddess of healing as well. By the fifth century in Ireland, Christianity was increasing. It was being spread. We probably know the stories of St. Patrick, who was coming over to Ireland and, and beginning Christian communities there. And so that's when we start to know the woman, St. Bridget, who arrives on the scene. And she shares many attributes that the goddess Bridget has as well. And her feast day is February 1st. The main day of the pagan goddess Bridget is also February 1st. So we see a lot of overlap. Was there a real person named Bridget in early Ireland who we now call St. Bridget? Probably, but a lot of the stories about her get conflated with the older stories of the goddess. And so this is one of the fun parts about her. As the story of her as a saint is she's born of a pagan chieftain and an enslaved Christian mother. And she's born on a threshold between inside and outside of the house. So there's a lot of stories about her performing miracles, even as a baby. Her birth is prophesied. She always has care and concern for the poor. When she grows up, she establishes a double monastery, one for men, one for women in Kildare. Those are, that's still a center for a female monastery today. And I think an interesting part is that there was a sacred flame that had been lit in Kildare, where, and that's the church of the oak tree, dare means oak, and a flame that was lit in pre-Christian times while she was a goddess, it survived and was tended to by the nuns until the 1600s when the Tudor regime was knocking down monasteries all across Ireland and England, and then it was relit in 1993 and has been lit ever since. And so we still wow. have that presence of Bridget there today. So that's uh, in a nutshell, from pagan goddess to Christian saint. I love it. I do need to say that all of us have such a connection with Bridget or Mama Brigitte. This is an overview of her. We have so much knowledge. There's so much to talk about with her. We might end up doing a follow-up episode, but we're just going to give you the big brush strokes right now and see which aspect of her might resonate with you, our listeners. Yeah, and we had to hold back from having her appear in season one. <laughs> we did. Because we all had such a connection. We did. So let me just give a little bit of a word on voodoo and hoodoo and what those terminologies actually mean. Voodoo is a religion, an organized actual religion in Africa. It's usually spelled a little bit differently than we spell it in America. It's usually like V-O-U or D-O-U, something like that. When enslaved people were 
brought to the United States, they and the colonies, they were not allowed to practice their own religion. So they had to bring their practices and morph them into the religious practices of the colony they came into. So when we look at like the Eastern seaboard from, I don't see South Carolina-ish up, um, that was mainly Protestantism. So the enslaved folks who came through South Carolina and up had to morph their practices in with Protestant religions. So that's what we call hoodoo today. In fact, it actually is, a lot of the practices are very pagan. They're all plant-based. There's a lot of plant-based healing and practices within that. But the enslaved people who came up through Haiti and into Louisiana, into those more, uh, what were the French and Spanish colonies, and they were Catholic. And so that practice looks different that what's practiced even today in South Carolina as hoodoo looks very different than what we think of as the voodoo down in Louisiana and in New Orleans and more of in the Georgia area. They look a little bit different. People use voodoo as a slang when they're referring to Haiti and Louisiana and that practice that's coming up through Catholicism. Um, It really is, I think, all of it is now considered to be hoodoo because it's not the traditional African voodoo religion. How do we get Mama Brigitte? How do we get this Irish saint over as a voodoo queen? It's believed that there are so many actually uh, indentured servants in Louisiana. Katie is from Louisiana. She might know a little bit more about this. My people's. Yeah. And there were a lot of Irish Catholicism. There's so many legends about this amazing Bridget goddess. And the Africans adopted her as uh, part of voodoo. She In voodoo, she is the queen of the underworld. She is who you pray to. She still is known as a profound healer, just like St. Bridget, just like Bridget. She is known to relieve suffering. And so she is so caring as a mother that she wants to relieve everybody's suffering. So you can imagine you've got indentured servants, you've got people who are enslaved, seriously suffering. She's a natural person to call on for help. However, she is said that if she cannot heal you, of whatever your affliction is, she will actually relieve your suffering by death since she is the queen of the underworld. And she is associated with cemeteries. Um, I actually think, wasn't her pagan form also associated with cemeteries? Is that something either one of you? Not that I saw. What came up for me, Um, actually, there was almost like she was a caretaker of the cemeteries watching over them. And it also feels like she played a role. Like I love how you spoken to like almost helping people in their lives if they needed to helping with the transition. So in today's culture, day and age hospice exist. So those that hold space for that transitioning space is what she also helped with. Absolutely. Yeah. And even being born on the threshold too, like she can't quite be contained as either or. So it all makes sense. It's fascinating that she goes from this. She's not a sky goddess at all. I mean, she's a very sort of earth-centered goddess, but to queen of the underworld. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And it's linked with that healing aspect. Mm-hmm. Sometimes healing means transitioning. In hoodoo, does everyone when they die go to the same place, like the underworld? Actually, I don't. I don't know. Um, okay, so you're not a hoodoo, so Andrea's not a hoodoo expert, but I'm you know a, a lot. I'm not a hoodoo expert. No, I'm not. It is said that Mama Brigitte's husband in hoodoo culture is Baron Samdi. In the culture, she's, 
both Mama Brigitte and Baron Samdi are fierce. So even though she is this woman who is going to make sure that you are not suffering, she's also said that she will make sure that you are loved in the, in the underworld and the, in the place beyond way more than you were ever loved in life. So Aww. her love is just infinite. And yet she's a foul mouth like sensuous, sexy, alluring, kind of dangerous, spirit dangerous, I'm going to put those in big air quotes, um, for those who get in her way and her husband, or not get in her way, those who uh, spark her wrath, I suppose. And her husband said to be the same intense character. There's another gods who also, uh, who plays sometimes a role in helping people uh, in the underworld decide where they're going. That's Papa Legba. But it also corresponds with St. Peter in Christianity. And there's, of course, that sense of you're at the crossroads. Are you going to get the keys into heaven or are you right. going to get pushed away? So Mama Brigitte's husband and sometimes Papa Legba play that role in voodoo. But Mama Brigitte is said to just make sure she's going to care for your soul, make sure your soul ends up in the right spot and that you're loved more. And she keeps you in line. She keeps you in line. She'll keep she keeps you in line. In line. Okay. <laughs> well, it's interesting because in the same stories of Bridget, she would be kind of tricky. One of the stories is that she goes, uh, she goes to Kildare and she wants that land for her, the monasteries that she wants to found. And so she goes to the local king and she had the local chieftain and asks for him to give her the land. He says, no, no, I'm not giving this land away. And he was a pagan uh, as well. And so she came back after consulting with her sisters, the other female nuns, and said, okay, how about you give me whatever land I can cover with my cloak? And just took the cloak from around her shoulders. And he laughed and said, fine, you can have that much land. And so she hands it to the sisters and they all start to walk and the cloak expands. And it expands for acres and acres and acres and acres and acres. So it covers this huge part of land and they set it down and the king has no choice but to give them the land. So they kind of use this little bit of, a little bit of slyness, a little bit of like healthy trickery there. And so that seems to carry over. Yes. Into the hoodoo version. Right. And I don't experience her as tricky. So we'll see. I experience her as, we'll talk about this a little bit yeah. more as we go along, but I think she's complicated. And in fact, I did read that in some, some areas, people associate her yeah. with Mary Magdalene. I saw that too. <laughs> Just these women cannot be contained. They cannot be contained. No matter what. Ladies, which version of her do you connect with the most? Amy? As far as like who she in just in general? Yeah, like her okay. or her Christian or her voodoo form. Yeah. Uh the shamanism aspect, the Celtic shamanism. So for me, when she showed up just really quick, it was connected to all the different aspects of the shaman. So some are seers, like psychic aspects. There are some like the healer aspect. So all these different things that she was. So she's a woman of healing. She's a peacemaker. She's a midwife. She's the goddess of metal crafting, beer making, dairy farming. Holy cow. This lady is like seriously the queen of all trades. <laughs> so I gained a huge respect for her in that way as well as it's almost like the herbal aspect, like the part of being a healer, working with the herbs, the land, the earth. So that is how I resonate with her personally. Also, I guess in relation with a pagan, because Bridget is how 
you know, she introduced herself to me. So the pagans, I feel, are similar to shamanic in ways as far as like ceremonial, creating, uh, earth honoring, life honoring, like just life honoring. Yeah. Cool. How about you, Katie? So as a Christian minister, obviously the saint part resonates, although my tradition doesn't really do saints. And so that was... (laughs) That's kind of interesting too, but I like saints. And I actually, I was trying to look up the date of her canonization and she, so I learned something new today. She is a pre-congregational saint. And so before the Catholic church got together, the committee or however, the, the team that decides who are saints, there were already saints. And so she made the cut before it became like official. So she's kind of a ground up saint uh, who is honored. But I love that she's slippery. We can't contain her to be only a saint or only a goddess. And she's both at once. And there's this kind of transition period in the fifth century. And I love that part of it. So I I love those in-between spaces. And to me, it's not so important whether whether she's Saint Bridget or whether she's Bridget the goddess and the energy is overlapping there for me. And I'm not sure that she minds either. Well, I love how she's cross-cultural. Well, Katie, what does the Bible say anything about her or do historical texts? Not in the Bible. No, Bible, Bible was, oh, it was done and closed. The canon was closed before she was ever born as the, as the saint. But how do we know what we know about her? It's interesting. So again, this is a little bit outside my field of study as a scholar, but in my research, she's one of the patron saints of scholars. So I thought, no wonder I've loved her for so long. (laughs) And so uh, how do we know what we know? Evidence of her as a goddess. We know from a couple of inscriptions. So there's seven inscriptions in Britain, not in Ireland, but in Britain. And in the Romano-British time, she was associated with Minerva, with the Roman goddess Minerva. And so you'll see like a Bridget Minerva um, inscription. There's a few from Gaul as well, which is now modern day France. And just a few inscriptions from there that mention a similar name. And, but she didn't really pass, survive past the fifth century in Britain. So from that point forward, it's all really in Ireland. The main way we know about her is through oral tradition. The stories are passed down. The oral tradition is really important. And that oral tradition of her as a goddess gets captured by the Irish monks. Christianity in Ireland was never fully Latinized. And so Christianity in Ireland always drew from local myths, local cultures. Um, The Celts, the Irish people were very comfortable with having Jesus, but also having all of their pre-Christian ceremonies. And they, they had no problem kind of adopting those into their version of Christianity. So the monks, there's two mythological cycles that get written down like 10th, 11th, 12th century. And that's how we have a lot of the stories about her as a goddess that have been passed down through oral tradition. She's also associated very strongly with symbols. So sometimes one of her symbols will appear and one is, I call it the St. Bridget's cross. Kind of looks like a sun wheel. So we'll be sure to post that in our Instagram and Facebook accounts for everyone too. So you can see those, but sometimes the sun wheel will appear and that's the kind of indicator that like she's associated with that place. And then there's a lot of place names, a lot, a lot of place names that have um, that are either Brie or our bride in Scotland. She's often known as Saint Bride. The names of hills, the names of churches, and so those indicate when they have a topographic place name that's associated with a goddess. That's a strong indication that she was worshipped there. 
All right. So then what about as a saint? We have lives of saints in in Christianity. And so what happens is after the saint kind of becomes well-known and is venerated, someone will write a biography of them. And I'm putting biography in really, really big air quotes because these are not biographies as we know them. They're telling the important stories of them as a saint. So they're often fantastical, like the one that I told earlier where she has the cloak and the cloak spreads. Like that's not supposed to be a literal story but it's kind of a metaphorical, mythological story about this saint and how she looked after her people, how she got the land that became famous in Kildare. And so the first saint to write her vita, her the life of St. Bridget is Cogitasus. I think I'm saying that correctly. And he, this, he actually wrote, in, wrote it in Irish. And so that was fairly unusual. He didn't write it in Latin. And so that was around 650. So it was a good 150, 125, 150 years after she died. She's listed in a glossary from uh, Cormac's glossary, also in Irish, late 9th century, early 10th century. And he mentions her as a goddess who's associated with poetry, healing, and smithery. And he made this encyclopedia of Irish oral history. So he's writing the oral history down uh, for future readers. I think it's interesting that in the 12th century, Gerald of Wales, so a Welsh scholar and archdeacon, he describes, he must have visited Ireland or talked to people who had, because he talks about the fire was still burning in Kildare. So the, the flame that had been not been extinguished for, at that time, I guess about 1,200 years. And he talks about it being the goddesses, I think, and then the Irish saint. And then I think this is really interesting. Alexander Carmichael was a Scot who wrote down dying Celtic customs and prayers from the Western Scottish Isles. This is a either very late 19th century or early 20th century volume called Carmina Gaelica, uh, like the Gaelic writings, like the Gaelic songs. And he mentions several prayers to St. Bride or to Bridget and several sort of rituals that are associated with her. And so how do we know what we know? A little bit through the lives of the saints, a little bit through Irish mythology that's written down by Irish monks, a little bit through these kind of individual writings, but more, I think, through place names, through inscriptions, and through symbols. So all of those kind of come together to tell us what we know about her that's kind of on paper or on stone. And that's how we know about her in voodoo tradition as well. It's oral history. Yeah. And just to give, you know, for moving forward in time, this would be during the 16, 17, 1800s that she came into American culture through hoodoo and voodoo, but most of those practices were secret. They had to be. Yeah. So a lot was just passed down orally or through uh, symbols. Um, she does have her own symbols and colors and associations in hoodoo, but yeah, it's all, it's in fact, Something that's interesting to me is there's a whole black history that in terms of black magicians, black uh, root doctors, black spiritual workers that is hidden. And it's just now in the last, really the last few decades that that history is coming to light with some really amazing research and, and work. And can I just say, I love the, the Katie here. This is, I love the Louisiana connection because I am from Louisiana, but I'm from Northern Louisiana where there's less uh, sort of overt voodoo, hoodoo. So I'm not even sure if I'm using the right names, but we, but I definitely grew up knowing stories about like voodoo being not a native practice to Louisiana, but you know, something that was important. And so it's not something that's really been part of my own cultural upbringing, but kind of always in the background. I'm just like, 
Bridget has been looking out for me for so long. And like now it's in my awareness that this is, I mean, I didn't know she was part of voodoo until Andrea told me like a week ago. You literally grew up with her. I literally grew up with her. And I, I know my ancestors must have known of her as well. And after Hurricane Katrina, I wasn't even living in Louisiana then, but after Hurricane Katrina, many New Orleaners or Southern Louisianers, Louisianans uh, came up to Shreveport where I'm from uh, to settle there. And so voodoo began to be more practiced. So I don't know what it's like now. I don't, I don't, I haven't lived there in so long, but I, I love the full circle of life here. That's wonderful. Amy, you want to talk about how Bridget came into your life? Yeah, so I don't really have any concrete evidence. And I'm looking at the clock right now. It's 222. Huh, funny. My experience of her is, I guess, personal. It is the things that are showing up in my life that feel to be in relation with her. Although within some of the synchronicities, I will share that a shamanic sister of me shared invite to the shift network was doing a Celtic shamanism thing. And I was like, okay, what is this? Check it out. Guess what? Bridget is totally freaking there. So some of what came into my awareness within that. So thank you shift network as well as Jane Burns is who did the webinar, the talk on her. So through Jane Burns, I learned that Bridget was all these different things. You know, she had all these different roles, which gave me permission to be me. So I have multiple things I do, um, multiple businesses. I'm an entrepreneur in certain ways, you know, the shamanic, I do house cleansings and blessings, all these different things. And I've always been taught you need to focus on one thing. That is not me at all. And so I was almost shaming myself because I don't focus on one thing. There's different aspects of my life that yes, I will focus on it for a period, but then that next thing comes into play. So huge appreciation for Bridget showing up in that way, as well as Jane Burns talks about the story of her being part of creating Ireland helping to create the hills and the lush greenery and just a really beautiful, I don't know if you want to call it myth or story, but, and it's said that anywhere that she walked, so there's this white cow that she walks with as well, that these flowers called snowdrops come up and they are kind of like the first flowers after winter. So those spring flowers like here in America, you know, I think they're called crocuses or something like that. It reminds me a little bit of those. So just really beautiful story, as well as the fertility aspect coming into play. So here we are, Katie, you spoke of this like break, this in-between that she, that's there. I also experienced that, the in-between that I'm speaking of is almost like, so imagine winter, the cold months or whatever that season is for wherever people live. For me, winter is cold. There is snow. The trees are 
in the phase of resting, so to speak, it is that time to rest for us. And then spring starts to come and the first flowers come. Katie, you spoke of February 1st. For me, I actually resonate with February 2nd for whatever reason. Being 2-2, there's the, the number, so to speak. Within that, that time of emergence, the f- fertility, her being the midwife, helping to birth what is next. She has also brought into my awareness, this feels really, really, really important to speak into, of the words self-centered. So those words usually kind of get a bad rap. If we're self-centered, it's, you know, looked frowned upon. However, if you really fill into that self, the word self, and then what it's like when we are centered, that self-love, the self-commitment, the word bride being connected with her, wedding yourself. So for me, she has brought in this experience. Like I've always been taught, yes, God comes first, spirit creator, you know, that which created us, that life force energy. And then it was almost like that marriage, what we have within another, our partnership with somebody. Scratch that. What's coming through very strongly in relation with her is that what is that commitment for myself? What do you want to be committed to? I see that being tied into, I believe it was you, Andrea, that spoke, maybe it was Katie, um, her, the partner in the underworld. There was something spoken with in that. I'm like, okay, this ties into this. So these kind of these ahas, ahas. Surrendering to the realm of mystery. The knowledge of skills. The who am I? The battle within. So healing our own personal wounds. So that to me, that's connected to the underworld as well. Just in a different kind of way. It's that shadow aspect. And Amy, do you have like a concrete story that you can maybe share with us about like when you've been working with Bridget or when she's come to you? Okay. So concrete information. No, it is all, (laughs) all personal. It is personal experience. It is. That is concrete though. Yeah. Okay. Like I think our listeners would love to know that. Like how have you used Bridget to help you with all of life's uh, many ups and downs? How have I used her? And how long ago was it that you, not that you use her, but you know, work with her, but like, and how long ago was it that you had your experience? Uh, so she first showed up in our first season. We had just got done recording the Sianophon episode, actually. Okay. So it's pretty recently as, as the crow flies. Oh, a hundred percent. I just have something funny because Katie, you caught yourself. You said not use her, Amy, but how you work <laughs> with her in voodoo, the spirits, the, the, where she occupies her spirit her place. Um, these are not energies to be prayed to. You oh. actually serve them. 
you use them, you serve them, you need to honor her, you need to be giving her gifts, you need to be, you know, in order to use her energy. Interesting. Cool. Just a little twist there. Yeah. I freaking love that. So as a shamanic practitioner, I always give offerings. Like there's always gratitude in everything I do before anything I do. I love to give an offering. So she showed up in our first season, right? All these synchronicities. I feel like the numbers were involved then too, of course. And that's when I learned that you two also knew of her only in different ways. So for me, New Orleans has been part of my path too, only in relation to gardening. I was guided, called to learn more about the roots of who I am. I went out to New Orleans, volunteered for Capstone, a nonprofit organization who was an urban farm who was providing foods and gardens for the food desert after the flooding, the hurricane that was out there. So once she showed up, then it also, there was an experience of seeing a fawn in relation to the earth, Bridget in relation to the earth. That is when the shift network thing came into my life. The story shared of how Bridget was chose to come down to earth to help create Ireland, the hills of it, her walking, anywhere that she walked with the white cow, these flowers came up. This last couple weeks for me, I have to make it a point for myself to create self-care time. Otherwise, I'm do, 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 be, 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 you know, I, it just is. So spirit guidance coming through. I have four, three wonderful ladies I connect with every new moon and full moon. I set aside time this last weekend to go and spend some time with them. As I am doing so, I also connect. So intentionally, Bridget, work with me. Show me what do you want me to share. It was more of be in nature, play, be with these sisters, and in the in-between, creating quiet time for me to journal, to allow inspiration to come through. I have a creation call, creation calls that I do. And that creation call is when my Celtic spirit animal was given to me. Here's Bridget, related to the Celtic. The stag is my Celtic animal. So I get to work with this animal spirit in a really cool way that totally feels like it's connected to Bridget. Is there concrete evidence? Not at all. It is a knowing within myself that this journey of everything that I'm speaking into, connected to, it's all tied together. You know, it's interesting with the in-between that keeps coming up with her and that her feast day or her saint's day in pagan and Christianity is February 1st or 2nd. And Katie, you identified that as being a cross-quarter. And I hadn't heard that term before. Can you just explain that a little bit? Yeah. So the Saints Day, which also coincides with the pagan festival of Imbolc, 
is February 1st or maybe February 2nd. And a cross quarter day is simply the day, the midpoint between a solstice and an equinox. So in uh, hoodoo culture, her day is All Souls Day because she is the queen of the underworld, of course. And that's when you're going to be honoring um, your, love, your loved ones, your ancestors. Mm, and I love that. And that's November 2nd. And that's November 2nd. Yes. Is November 2nd also a cross quarter time? I don't know. The equinox is, well, it's close because like around Halloween is. Yeah. So it's close. It's, it's close. close. Yeah. And really Halloween, you know, among cultures is October 31st and there's Day of the Dead, which is November 1st. And then All Souls Day is, I mean, it's a, it's a period there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a period. Excellent. All right. Well, Katie, how did Bridget come into your life? Well, about... Ten years ago, I was at an academic conference, and uh, they have a big convention bookstore. And for the first and only time ever that I've ever noticed, uh, they had a jeweler there that had nice jewelry. I was such a broke grad student at the time. This was more than 10 years ago. It's probably 12 years ago. I was such a broke grad student at the time. And I kept on going back, and I kept on coming to the necklace. I'm actually, I'm actually wearing it now. And it was St. Bridget's Cross. So the sun wheel that I talked about earlier. And I just was drawn to it. And I didn't really know why. I had even lived in Ireland as an exchange student when I was in college. But I was really busy like drinking Guinness. And I didn't remember running across St. Bridget there. If I did, it was not fully my consciousness. So I finally was like, I'm just going to shell out the money and buy this necklace. And I did. I've been wearing it ever since. And then I was like, well, I should do a little research on her. And I found out that her feast day, February 1st, is also my birthday. So this felt very synchronous. And then it just kind of has snowballed from there. And so, and now it's a little ridiculous in my house. I have her sun wheel or some kind of image of her all over the place. So, and now this new Louisiana connection. So she's just been popping up over in all these different places. will just sort of come into my awareness very unexpectedly. But I think what I draw up on is again, this, how she is in this in-between space. And I feel like a lot of the work that I do helps people navigate those in-between spaces, helps people navigate that they feel like they're neither fish nor fowl. And I think Bridget expresses that and in this kind of in-between space between being a pagan goddess and between being a Christian saint and now in her hoodoo form as well, and that she can be many things at once and that so can we. And I think Amy spoke into that in her own life as well. And I love it that she can kind of play tricks on people. And so when we are in positions where we don't have outward power, sometimes we have to be a little sly. It's like sometimes we have to be a little sneaky, a little tricky in order to do the most good mm. in the world. And so I kind of, I draw up on that. And so, yeah, her energy is all over the place in my house. And I feel like, you know, some part of her will pop up and just take a moment and pause and honor that energy within my own life. Well, for me, I first met her as Mama Brigitte in New Orleans. And I was, I'd actually gone to New Orleans by myself. It was after Katrina, um, it, well after Katrina, but things weren't fully back up and running. And I just needed to get away from, at the time I was practicing law and I was uh, going through a massive breakup and I just needed one of those getting away for a long weekend by myself. So I went to New Orleans and walked into a shop and saw all this Bridget stuff, but it was Mama Brigitte. And I have not found this in my research of her preparing for this episode, 
But what stuck out so clearly to me, I was so drawn to her, asked the man, who is this? And he said, that's Mama Brigitte. She's the only Irish lady in voodoo. And he said, her main thing is to help you get out of your own way. And that has stuck with me. I bought everything he had with Mama (laughs) Brigitte. There even was a scent. There even was some perfume that I still have. It smells so good. I have a magnet on my refrigerator and I will take a picture of that and we'll post that on our Facebook or Instagram so you all can see it. But she's just been with me ever since. It was this woman, and when both of you said she gives you permission, this was a a woman who could have an Irish background, but also practice hoodoo and be part of a hoodoo culture. So there's that cross-cultural blend. You don't have to be just one thing. You can do many things um, and you've got to get out of your own way. And that is such a reminder. It was a big part in my life that I needed to get out of my own way, quit my job, (laughs) do something different get things out of my life that I was allowing to stand in my way. But in my research of her, I didn't come across that that was something that she stands for. Um, So I'm wondering now, looking back, if that man just told me what I needed to hear at the time. And that's how I've associated, um, how I've associated her. Also significant, the fact that she's queen of the underworld and is about, you know, protecting souls and making sure souls are loved. That goes so hand in hand with being a medium. So was that your first introduction to hoodoo? No, there's actually a lot of hoodoo here in Charleston. And I've always been fascinated with it. I have like every book I can get my hands on, which there's not many. And there certainly wasn't when I first started looking. But witchcraft, witch doctors. So typically here in South Carolina, and in this Protestant, the Protestant colonies, hoodoo is something associated with the African culture. If you hear the word like witch doctor, that tends to be a white person. And so are you a practicing? Oh, God, no. Hoodoo, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrea knows a lot, but not oh a practicing Oh my gosh, hoodoo. I was fascinated with, I think because I have always been so fascinated with all things psychic, mediumship, anything um, supernatural, and I just couldn't get enough learning about it. And so that took me into learning about magic, which is hoodoo and witchcraft, you know, here locally. So I've got lots of local books. I've accumulated so many local stories um, of, of people practicing different forms of, of magic for lack of a better word. But I cut you off there, Katie, and said, oh, goodness, no, because I can't even follow a recipe, much less cast a spell. <laughs> there's, there's no way. I have no patience. Not an observant who do, but someone interested in it. No, I'm just it. fascinated by, by the culture. Yeah. And then to have Mama Brigitte be the first uh, goddess that just jumped out at me. Um, yeah. yeah. So in that way, she keeps on crossing those boundaries and, you know, connecting people you across these seemingly hard lines. Right. Quick question for both of you. And I asked this before we got on and both of you said the exact same thing. Um, But let's share with our listeners, what color do you associate with Bridget? This is Amy. So I actually have two colors that have come through. So green and orange. What about you, Katie? The colors of the Irish flag, Amy, or two of them anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, green, I think, is usually how I see her depicted. When I imagine her, I don't think I have anything. 
but I associate her mildly with green. And hoodoo, I, I think we associate anything Irish with green, right? At this point, yeah. And hoodoo, she's her colors are uh, purple and black, but there's green in there too. So they can be green, purple, and black, which I think is such a magical, mystical combination of colors. And it does sort of signify, you know, that dark, deep purple, the dark, the black of that underworld of those, the, the mysteries of the underworld. And she usually has red hair. And I think in red the hoodoo, hair, yeah, the sun, her name is, yeah. so the sun aspect has been like the fire sun and also water seem to be very connected to her in ways. I feel like the, the springs and the mineral waters came up for me as I was trying to learn a little bit more about her. Yeah, and we talked about the um, Smith water. Yeah, the water smithery. Oh. And so, one and one of my profound uh, experiences too with her was um, as I was leaving the Cliffs of Moher, gosh, um, probably seven years ago or so. And uh, we were driving on these, you know, narrow roads in County Clare, and I uh, saw a sign that just said Bridget's Well with an arrow, and we kind of. Sp- swerved around and, and went to this well and it certainly is a pre-christian well uh, and it's it, beautiful magical has a lot of energy around it and we knew how to walk sunwise you know you kind of follow like the sun wheel and so there's the spring you know though there's a natural well there with all these springs that are feeding into it and so she's deeply associated with many many wells are named after her throughout Ireland That's and wonderful. Scotland. So yeah, the duality of the water and water. fire is very much associated with her in both incarnations as goddess and a saint. Wow. And hoodoo, speaking of liquid, apparently she likes pot pepper infused rum. So if anybody wants to make an offering to Mama Brigitte, maybe make yourself a rum <laughs> drink. <laughs> the pepper infused just sounds so bad. It sounds, sounds awful. awful. I know. I think it's, the, the sweetness of the rum and that like kick maybe of the hot pepper. I, I don't know. I'm not a rum drinker. So I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Amy, you mentioned that you had a smell associated. Yeah. So speaking with a friend who does Akashic record readings, and I just thought I'd ask to see if Bridget had any smells that would help us to best connect with her. And what was shared is lemon, which brings in the freshness, and frankincense for the ancient. I love that. I I have no idea what's in the scent upstairs that I have that's her signature scent. I'm not good at identifying smells, but I'm very curious what what would be in there. I was wondering that myself when you mentioned that. I was like, hi, I wonder what's in that. Katie, do you have any associations with her with numbers, scents, music? Uh, Definitely not numbers or scents, just nothing's appeared. But yeah, for music, there's a great hymn to St. Bridget, and I like to play it on the harp. So we'll try to include that for a little bonus episode for everyone in a a week or two. So we'll release release a single. Uh, So I do play that on her feast day and throughout the year as well. And interestingly, if you, I I don't do any vocals with it, but I've uh, seen on YouTube people that do. She's also associated, especially as the goddess, with a keening, like with the wailing sound that's a part of bereavement. And so I don't know the whole story, but one of the stories with her as a goddess is that her son dies on the battlefield and she invents keening as a way to express mourning. And 
sometimes this hymn is overlaid with people keening. Oh, wow. This loud wailing and mourning. And so I love that. So that's kind of the association to me with like the hoodoo. Yes, that's like, that sounds very haunting. Yeah, very haunting. Um, That aspect of her as the saint is really absent, I think, uh, or not, not nearly as strong. And it's important, important dimension of the human experience. And Hoodoo, because she's the queen of the underworld, she is summoned by drum beats. Oh, cool. Like I always associate drum beats as being more like shamanic, you know, that just lulling into a meditative state and going deep, going, doing a deep dive. Well, speaking of being lulled into a meditative state, Amy, do you want to lead us through a meditation? That's so funny because you, as you're just sharing about the drumming, that's what came through for me to include in this meditation. So make sure that you are in a safe place to receive and do this meditation. No driving. And if so, just make sure you're able to concentrate on listening and driving and see sometimes meditations you can actually receive with your eyes open. So honoring whatever wants to come through. invite you to close your eyes just connect to your breath imagining the heartbeat of the earth filling the earth below you perhaps touching your own heart filling your heartbeat the center of who you are. We welcome and invite Bridget to be here. Notice what color you might be experiencing what smells are around you in this environment. Your surroundings she asks you a question What do you want to commit to for you, for yourself? She invites you to walk into nature, to be, to experience to isolate and allow self-love, self-commitment, exploring what it is like to be centered within yourself. What 
What does it look like to be committed to yourself? Physically, the emotional commitment. What you're saying yes to that feeds your spirit, that feeds your soul. that creates space for you mentally to have calmness, to have balance. Resting, being with the land, your heartbeat receiving the different messages coming through for you to you what messages does Bridget have for you As you receive the knowing within yourself, the wisdoms, that which is coming up for you, we give gratitude for all that's been received. Bridget invites you To wrap a string, something around your finger that represents this commitment to yourself. Being the bride of you. Vows. to thyself. She thanks you for inviting her into your life, for taking these precious moments, for receiving these precious moments. saying yes 
to you, to the heartbeat of you, the center of all that is. Taking a deep breath in, reconnecting to here and now. Crystallizing your experience into your being, your body, as you move forward in life, expressing from the center of your heart, of yourself. Know that you are welcome to connect to Bridget anytime you wish with intention she is there with you when you are ready we invite you to open your eyes wiggle your fingers your toes stretch your bodies Thank you, Amy, for leading us through that. I loved the heartbeat of the land. That was, that was great. Katie, did you have any experience, any message come through <laughs> um, for you? Yeah, it was very restful. I, um, it was, Amy, when you asked the question, like what, something, some version of what are you committed to, that was impactful. I'm not sure I had the answer because there's often too many commitments in my, <laughs> um, in my life. So there's always the call to actually like kind of reduce mm-hmm. that. So actually it's like the being, being committed to myself, I think that was coming through. And I also remembered halfway through the meditation when I got my Reiki attunement, I can't remember if it was Reiki one or two or, or both. Um, I had Bridget in, in the middle of the attunement was really, really strong, strongly present with me. And so I was just remembering that energy and that whenever I do Reiki for myself or others, I think she's very present. Healing. That's that profound healing energy. Yeah. Ah, Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How beautiful. When you said, what are you committed to? Because I get prickly with the word commitment. Ah. (laughs) I'm like, "Ah, nothing. (laughs) I'm not committed to nothing. I'm not committed (laughs) to anything. (laughs) That was like (laughs) Bridget's (laughs) sassy side coming through, I think. Mm. (laughs) The rule breaker or not being a rule follower, not being... Not, she doesn't stay in her lane. And I feel like for me, that just message of get out of your own way, get out of your own way. And she's here to help you get out of your own way and to be as big a version of yourself as you want to be in a very playful manner. That's, that's what I was feeling. I like that. So here's another piece that's coming through me is that part that, you know, I don't want to commit to anything. Maybe that is your self-commitment. Like being okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think probably the number one thing I hear from people too in my kind of, in my tribes are, I know I need to take time for myself, but it's so hard. And so it's like when we're committed to everything but ourselves, we're way too fragmented. Right. Yeah. That's a good one. Can't be the authentic people we need to be. 
Something else that was just occurring to me in, in the meditation was I love that all these manifestations, maybe that's a better word than incarnation for me, right. manifestations of Bridget, of this Bridget energy. There's a little something for everyone. So when Andrea said, you know, we're, like for her commitment, um, tr- triggers an, uh, a no, an automatic no. Um, I think I talked about in season one at some point that I am I really dislike parent Im- imagery for deity for God just like I don't like I have I have two parents two great parents I really I don't need more and so but Bridget as we kind of have her as nun as convent saint as someone who's models that kind of solitary but in community life and Bridget as goddess there is a mother goddess part to her but that's not the whole of who she is and the same in the hoodoo where she's helping like kind of the, the fairy man, helping people cross and transition. And she has that, again, that mother aspect, but that's not all of who she is. She's an incredibly so, sexy, alluring woman. Yeah. Hoodoo. Can't be pigeonholed. Right. At all in any of these manifestations. And there's something about that that was just really appealing to me. But like whatever we, we need her to be, she can be. If she chooses. If to. she chooses to. Yes. yes. And gives us a tongue lashing at the same time. Right. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to hear what our listeners' experiences will be with Bridget, with Mama Brigitte. I'm very excited. So, Amy, do you want to tell folks how they can find us, how they can email us or find us on Facebook or Instagram? Yeah, we would absolutely love to hear your experiences to see if this has touched you in any way brought anything up for you you can email us at magical mystical journeys at gmail.com you can find us on facebook magical mystical journeys and you can also find us on instagram awesome thank you and thank you ladies mm. have a great Great week. Thanks. It's fun to kick off season two. Yeah, thank you, yeah. everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.